This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Chris is off tonight. A Penticton woman is sharing a horrifying travel tale in the hopes others will be spared the pain she's going through. While in Mexico, staying at a rented condo, a bolt of electricity ripped through her body. Romina Dea has more on how it happened and a warning some of the images in this story may be difficult to watch. There you go. Thanks, Mom. 23 hours a day in a burn suit. This is just the start of Natalie Campbell's recovery. My life literally flashed before my eyes. I thought at the time that I was shot. The 27-year-old bridesmaid was in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico for her friend's wedding in May. She was on the balcony of a rented condo waving to friends on the street when she was blasted with roughly a thousand volts of electricity from dangerously low-hanging power lines. This is the bathing suit I was wearing. And when the electricity hits, blew it just apart. The electrical current shot through Campbell's hand and out through her stomach. The damage? Third-degree burns, a skull fracture, and bleeding in the brain. It could really happen to, to anyone because there's no warning or there's nothing to make you have an idea that they're even close because uh, us Canadians just assume that it's all safe. Catastrophic injuries, despite the fact Campbell never touched the power lines. She had her phone in her hand. She was waving to her friends down below. No contact with the lines. Don't assume this happened because she was holding a phone. Um, this happened because she got too close to the power line. BC Hydro warns that electricity can jump without contact. Standards are different worldwide, so be aware of your surroundings. The reality is she's just too close. That's why, you know, we say to people three metres. If you're three metres away from a power line, then you're going to be sure you're not going to experience an arc. Campbell, grateful she bought travel insurance, which covered the cost of two surgeries in Mexico and being medevaced back to hospital in Vancouver. Just be cautious when you enter a different country, get travel insurance. Four surgeries and counting. It's unclear if anyone in Mexico could be held accountable. Campbell's friends don't want her to worry. They've launched a GoFundMe page to help cover medical costs. I'm still here and clearly... Like it's not fair, but I did get like a second chance, so I kind of look at it that way. Romina Dea, Global News. Vancouver police are investigating the city's 13th homicide of 2018. A woman's body was found inside the Regal Hotel, a rooming house on Granville Street near Helmkin early Wednesday morning. Officers were called about a strong odor on the second floor. That's where they found the body of the 31-year-old woman inside an apartment. No arrests have been made. Police believe this was targeted and there is no risk to the public. A Surrey family is making an appeal to the public tonight on a difficult and somber anniversary. One year ago, the body of Kieran Desi was found in a burned-out SUV. 
the 19-year-old college student murdered. Her killer still on the loose. Our Jill Bennett has more on how Desi's loved ones hope the public can help not only them, but other families. Jill. It has been one year since Kieran Desi was killed. Her body found in a burned-out SUV in the 18700 block of 24th Avenue in Surrey. At the time, police investigators said she had been killed in a different location and moved. Desi was 19, a college student, and had recently been given a kidney transplant. Her family says one year later, it's still extremely difficult. Nothing happened yet. Nothing, nothing happened yet. We're requesting the, my family requesting the police what's going on, we're requesting everybody. But we are very bad feeling because it's like we want to be justice. Shortly after the killing, investigators said that Desi's murder was targeted but not gang-related. They also executed a search warrant at a home in Newton. The group Wake Up Surrey says it's difficult knowing there has been no arrest. We keep pressuring the RCMP. If you need the community support, you need uh, us to step up, we're here. Um, we need to find salute, find uh, uh, who's behind uh, these killings and get these people behind bars. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team says the Kieran Desi investigation is active and ongoing. They're also still looking for witnesses, asking for anyone with information to contact police as they search for the killer. Back to you. Jill Bennett reporting. Jill, thank you. A warning about a string of distraction thefts along the Canada line and the arrest of two suspects by the Metro Vancouver Transit Police. Our Nadia Stewart is live with more on this story. And Nadia, there is video of one such alleged theft and it's pretty involved. Yeah, it's a fairly elaborate scheme. There are at least 10 victims that we know of, and we can show you that one incident that was caught on camera. Take a look at this video. Police say the heist involves three suspects. First, they watch at the fare booths as the victim enters their pin as they're purchasing their ticket. Then they follow the victim downstairs, posing as good Samaritans, pretending to offer directions and assistance. All three of the suspects are working at this point, observing the victim on the platform. Here's the key part, though. One suspect shuts off the escalator. Then they convince the victim to go back upstairs with them. Of course, another suspect follows behind them, making sure any friends who might be with the victim are distracted. On the way up the escalator, they grab the victim's wallet and then make themselves scarce. Thousands of dollars have been stolen from unsuspecting people. Here's how you can avoid being a victim. This, this level of sophistication isn't something that we, we see on a regular basis. And I, I think that it's, uh, it's that awareness piece for people to uh, be aware that it's happening. And, you know, uh, you're going to be using your, your credit cards and debit cards in public. And be aware of what's around you, be aware of who's around you, and make sure that you're always covering that keypad when you're entering your security code. All right, so two suspects arrested. Nadia, you mentioned there were three suspects, though. So what do we know about the third person that police are looking for? Well, let's talk about those two suspects. So 31-year-old Ricardo Apria and 31-year-old Alina Rajakanu, both of them were wanted on Canada-wide immigration warrants. It's believed the husband of Alina, so that's Oras Rajakanu, is the man that police are still looking for. We do have a description of that suspect. Here's the information. He's described as an Eastern European man, average height with a slim build, short dark brown hair, brown eyes, and wearing dark framed glasses. Anyone with information, if you think you've seen him, you're being asked to call the Transit Police tip line. Their phone number is 604-516-7419. Back to you, Sophie. All right, thanks for that. Nadia Stewart reporting tonight. 
Public safety, a concern in Kamloops today as RCMP dealt with a man barricaded inside a Denny's restaurant. According to the restaurant, the customer made a threat this morning after receiving his bill. The restaurant was evacuated and RCMP say the man then barricaded himself inside and shut all the blinds. At one point, police say he came outside with a knife, but when confronted by officers, he went back inside. Just before three today, officers managed to peacefully take the man into custody. Well, the Snowy Mountain wildfire is now prompting evacuations near Costin and Karameas. The fire was active overnight, burning down the hill close to homes. An evacuation order has now been issued for five properties within the Lower Similkameen Indian Band jurisdiction. Wildfire crews say the weather is unpredictable, but they are optimistic. The winds, that alone last night was the cause of all of our, our uh, troubles behind us. And we're just going to keep chunking little pieces of this thing away and bringing it to the valley floor. Lots of field breaks in there, uh, natural and man-made uh, in there. So very optimistic that everything's going to be just fine in the valley. Well, if you needed another reminder of the risk, a new report out tonight indicates virtually all heroin bought on the street tested positive for fentanyl. And while fresh numbers show there were fewer overdose deaths in June this year over last, according to the coroner service, 105 people still lost their lives from an overdose in June of this year. That works out to about 3.5 people a day. Aaron MacArthur has more on the risk and for whom the numbers shoot up dramatically. A party of sorts, a celebration of a quarter century providing addiction and housing services to people on the downtown east side. The Portland Hotel Society has helped tens of thousands of people, but the demand hasn't waned. The opioid crisis making things seem as bad as they've ever been. Well, it looks like we lost about a dozen people in the city of Vancouver in one week. For Indigenous people, the risk remains alarmingly disproportionate. They are three times more likely to die from an overdose than the average British Columbian. At St. Paul's Hospital, an Indigenous health team was created to help meet the needs of patients who have for generations been systematically excluded from access to care. It's largely related to intergenerational trauma and ongoing racism and ongoing poor access to services. People are effectively self-medicating to deal with severe psychological pain. There are challenges inside First Nations communities as well. The benefits of harm reduction have been well documented, but some elders say enough isn't being done inside their own communities to embrace people struggling with addiction. We have good days, we have bad days. And so if we accept our humanity, then we've got to create the space for gray. And we have to understand that everyone heals in their own way, in their own time, and in their own place. More than 100 people died from an overdose this last June in BC, virtually the same as the month before and the year before. Ten of those people every month, very likely Aboriginal, a crisis that is showing only the slimmest signs of slowing down. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A warning from RCMP ahead of the long weekend. 
it doesn't pay to speed. RCMP in Maple Ridge seized a black 2016 McLaren and a blue 2017 Lamborghini this morning. They were clocked at 138 kilometers an hour in an 80 zone in the 25800 block of Lougheed Highway. The two 22-year-old drivers from Burnaby, one of them with an N sticker, have had their rides seized for a minimum of seven days, fined $368 each and given three points on their license. RCMP say the pair was heading to a private track event at Mission Raceway when they were nabbed and both have been caught excessively speeding before. Some homeowners in Deep Cove are angry with the District of North Vancouver for not doing more to help them recover after not one but two water main breaks. Both came from the same line within two weeks. And as Ted Chernecki reports, homeowners wonder why they're on the hook for insurance deductibles. So the water flowed down here, overwhelmed all of the drains on the way. Bad enough that it happened once, Very damaging at least four properties, but to have it happen again two weeks later from the same source that the District of North Vancouver just fixed, well, that's made residents here more than a little angry. My washing machine and tumble dryer were just five days old. Five days. Yeah, and uh, now they're ruined, ruined again, yeah. They had just installed this washer and dryer after the first flood. Same for a new hot water tank and a $7,500 new furnace, which today are sitting in the backyard, destroyed by the second flood. The problem for us is that it's become a second claim, so we have a second deductible to pay. One of the residents has a $2,500 deductible, so times two, that's five grand. You've just had two weeks of this intensity, and now we're right back at it again. After the district dug down to find the second break, residents could see what looked like a short old pipe between two newer sections in the same spot as the first breakage. And that was a piece that blew the next time. And to think that that decision had this kind of an impact, it's really hard to, to make sense out of that. I personally haven't come across it and I was talking to some of my compatriots and they're saying it's, uh, you know, you might have a flood in an area twice, that type of thing, but not on a city mains. It's very, yeah, very unusual. North Vancouver District could not offer us an on-camera interview where we would ask the district if it felt partially responsible, at least for the second break. And what's really upsetting is that right away the district's here. They've got somebody, a lovely lady, nice as could be, to tell us, you know, Really, really sorry, but we're not taking any responsibility. Today we could see new markings on the street where the district says it will start replacing the 43-year-old water line starting Tuesday. Ted Global News. But first, most of us cross the border with our cell phones and laptops, not giving it a moment's thought. But that personal information on your devices could be at risk if you're not careful. Jennifer Palma has the details on a new handbook on protecting yourself. Jen. People are just hungry for more information on how to protect their personal devices at the border. So the BC Civil Liberties Association has come up with an online handbook. How you doing, folks? Welcome back home. But are you ready to answer all of the Canadian border guards questions? And what will you do if they ask for any of your personal devices? Uh, I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I mean, uh, unless there's some real need, uh, there's a lot of personal information. The barter guards, you do what you need to do. If they just want to check it out and see the phone number, no problem with that. But beyond that, I think I would have a little bit of an issue. The law does not require an officer to be suspicious in order to examine your device. 
data accessible with the BC Civil Liberties Association has created an online handbook so you know your rights at the Canadian and the U.S. border through pre-clearance areas so you don't end up arrested or have your laptop or phone detained. They fall under the scope of goods. That's the term used under the law. And goods traditionally um, meant, you know, like if you buy a bunch of groceries or buy some shoes in the, in the U.S. and come back, or if you're taking a suitcase with you when you go to the U.S., um, or just bringing your souvenirs back on an airplane. The Canadian Border Services Agency has broad powers to ensure our country is protected. If border guards deem they need to look at your phone, here are some tips to protect your personal information. Leave unnecessary devices at home or backup data. Securely delete data you don't need on your trip and have strong passwords and turn your computer off before crossing the border. Finally, encrypt specific critical documents or files and separate confidential documents into their own folders. The CBSA is not transparent about um, how they operate. We're always playing catch up with them through access to information requests. Um, so uh, it's valuable for citizens to be empowered and informed about what their rights and their obligations are. So will any of this change anytime soon? Probably not. The BC Civil Liberties Association is asking for the federal government to update its laws, but so far there's very little interest in that. So if you're asked to pass over your personal device, you will be required to. Back to you. All right, Jen, thanks for that. A quick traffic note now. Highway 97 is currently closed about 20 kilometers north of Cache Creek. And this is why a mudslide has sent debris across the road. Alternate suggested routes are Highway 24 to Highway 5, Cache Creek to Highway 1. And Highway 40 is also closed 70 kilometers west of Lillooet for the same reason, a mudslide. Check Drive BC for the latest on when those routes will reopen. Another big sign tonight that Metro Vancouver's real estate sector has flattened out. The real estate board says home sales last month were the lowest in nearly 20 years. But as Catherine Urquhart reports, once again, sagging sales are having little effect on prices. Remember when buyers were lining up to see the latest real estate listings in Metro Vancouver? For the most part, those days are over. This was the slowest July since 2000. One could certainly see a situation where where the weakness in prices lasts a while and there's sort of slow decline over a number of years. Residential property sales in the region totaled 2,070 in July 2018, a 30.1% decrease from the 2,960 sales recorded in July 2017. Where well, we know the detached market is much higher and so that's the market that has slowed down. Uh, we've seen slightly over 600 sales which was down over 30 percent from a year ago. Our market in the three million dollar price range is extremely slow. That's showing signs of weakening. The benchmark price for detached properties is now $1,588,000, a 1.5 percent decrease from July of 2017. For apartments, the benchmark price is $700,000, a 13.6% increase from 2017 and a slight decline of 0.5% since June of this year. 
You would expect that if there was a market that was going to soften in terms of, of de demand and supply balance, the condo market in particular would be the place to see it. It's a, it's a market that's had a lot of price growth. I think it's very hard to, to say where the market is going to go, but if you're sort of looking at a big picture, we're looking at a big picture where I think there are more downside risks than upside benefit. With mortgage rates up and stricter lending requirements, many are opting to stay out of the market. Those days of real estate mania in Metro Vancouver gone, at least for now. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Well, when it comes to explosive growth, not much can top esports, competitive computer gaming. By next year, it's estimated that more than 400 million people will be watching it worldwide. And as John Hua reports, the city of Richmond could have the country's first esports stadium. Kenny Air Lamb's skill with a controller had him competing all over the world, collecting cash prizes as a Street Fighter pro. People do recognize me when I, you know, go down the street, and then people are like, "Oh my God, like you're you're Air." Round two. While only 5% of esports players make it to that level, the chances of everyday players in Canada becoming elite just got a whole lot better. 95% of the player base that really play at home and they have no place to go and get that gaming experience. The gaming stadium is set to open in Richmond in 2019, featuring 250 seats and 40 computer setups. It will offer workshops, coaching sessions and tournaments for players as young as 12 years old. Getting them together and into groups very much like you would with youth soccer or youth hockey, uh, it allows them to be with uh, other players that at the same level that they are. Esports stadiums are popping up all over Asia, tapping into a fast-growing market worth an estimated $900 million annually. Canada's about five to seven years behind uh, what's happened for esports in Korea and China, definitely Japan. So what we want to do is help Canada get to that point. For Lam, whose current business will eventually be part of the gaming stadium, it's also about getting regular players off the couch and into a community. You can come play casually, or you can play to become a pro, or you can come here just to hang out and be friends. And for those trying to become part of the esports elite, having a community space dedicated to helping them develop has been a winning combo every time. John Hua, Global News. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A security camera captures a scary close call for a Beijing family. When a father hears a bang from his scooter as it's charging, he quickly unplugs it. But when smoke pours from the scooter, he grabs his daughter and runs just before it explodes into flames. Luckily, the family dog also ran and no one was hurt. The owners say that scooter had been purchased online just two weeks ago. And panic on a European flight after a battery pack bursts into flames as a jetliner is preparing for takeoff. 
The battery pack was charging a cell phone when it suddenly ignited. One passenger put out the small fire with water, but all passengers on the Barcelona to Ibiza flight were evacuated nonetheless. It's being called unprecedented in Canada. Two Ontario paramedics charged with failing to provide the necessaries of life. As Global's Sean O'Shea reports, it all stems from the death of a good Samaritan. It is a Canadian first for first responders. Criminal charges brought against two Hamilton, Ontario paramedics after allegations they didn't try hard enough to save a man dying from a gunshot. We feel there's some kind of justice, at least we're happy that there's some charges uh, that are laid here. It happened outside this Islamic center in downtown Hamilton last December 2nd. 19-year-old Yusuf Al-Asnawi had just left the center where he'd been praying. Police say Al-Asnawi came to help an older man who was being harassed on the street when he was shot by someone else. Paramedics were called, but witnesses say it took a while for them to arrive, and they claim the paramedics didn't urgently try to help. Then, instead of taking Al-Asnawi to this trauma center, he was taken to a different hospital, where an hour later, he died. I think what hurts more than the, the criminal acts by the criminals is, the, is, is, is how the police and the paramedics dealt with him. After an investigation that lasted more than six months, police arrested the two paramedics, charging them with failing to provide the necessaries of life. A move that will put a chill on paramedics everywhere, according to their union, who said in a statement, These precedent-setting criminal charges are game-changers for our paramedic profession, and we are confident that when the totality of the evidence is provided, they will be vindicated. The burden upon the Crown is to prove that there was a marked departure from the standard of care of an ordinary paramedic. Two men have been charged with his murder. Alasnawi's good Samaritan gesture on this street cost him his life. And he's seen somebody that needed help and somebody was being oppressed and he stood out and he, and he did a selfless move. Sean O'Shea, Global News. Another financial milestone for Apple. The tech giant has become the first publicly traded company to reach a market value of $1 trillion. Apple shares hitting an all-time high of just over $207, up 22%. And from the should-have-bought-it-then file, back in 1997, Apple shares were worth less than a dollar. In health matters tonight, a new UBC Okanagan study says smoking can affect breastfeeding. The study of more than 1,200 women found that new mothers exposed to cigarette smoke in their homes stop breastfeeding sooner than those not exposed to secondhand smoke. Nicotine is transmitted to children through breast milk and there is also some evidence that it might reduce the overall quantity of the breast milk. It is said that cats don't particularly care for water. Well, one kitten in Nova Scotia now has a very good reason for not wanting to get wet or get into a boat for that matter. It happened in the middle of a raging rainstorm. Kelly Tatry heard a faint whimper coming from his dad's boat parked across the road. I got to think, I wonder what that is over there, if something's in trouble or not. He ventured across the road, shocked by what he found, stuck up out of this hole. And found a, uh, a little kitty, head stuck up through here, hanging there. Hanging from his neck, crying out in fear, was a tiny kitten, clinging to life. Kelly had no idea that his cat, killed three days before by a car, had delivered her kittens in his dad's old boat. He and his father rushed in to help. I squirted some Dawn dish detergent around him, tried to make him slippery to slide him down through, but it wasn't working. They were left with no other option. The only way to save the little guy 
was to sacrifice a piece of the boat. He wasn't real keen on cutting a hole in his boat, but it was the only way to do it. The kit just blew and it came up through, so its body came up through the hole, not much bigger than what its head wouldn't go down through. When they finally pulled him out, covered in dust and dish soap, the little fellow was in pretty bad shape. But they cleaned him up, gave him a bowl of milk, and within a half an hour of saving him, Allison Jameson, whose own cat had recently passed away, adopted the little kitten she named Sable. From cries of fear to what appears to be the perfect life. Shelly Steves, Global News, Malagash, Nova Scotia. So cute. Colorado sheriffs use a rope to open a car door. We'll show you the reason for their caution right after Yvonne's forecast. Whoa. All right. Meteorologist Yvonne Shell joins us now with a look at that forecast. Boy, what a difference the day makes especially the temperature is significantly cooler. And just a reminder, this is a shot of English Bay, but uh, Sunset Beach, White Cliff, uh, as well as Ambleside and Sandy Cove beaches are now open if you are planning on heading out. And you may want to over the long weekend, and I'll show you why, because temperatures will be on the rise once again and the return for more sunshine. 21 at the airport, it reporting a mainly cloudy sky, southeasterly wind at 24 kilometers per hour. Temperatures today only getting up to 22 if you're closer to the water, right where we should be, so close to the average, but warming up once again for the latter half of the weekend. 28 is the high today for areas near Kamloops, Victoria climbing up to 22, and the peace today up to 25 degrees. We still have some active weather uh, this evening. It'll start to ease off, but pick up once again for tomorrow. We've got a low that's tracking its way across the province. For the northeastern corners, we're still seeing lightning strikes, and across the southern half of the province, we did have a severe thunderstorm watch that has now ended, but we're still looking at a few cells that are pushing its way in, for example, to Williams Lake that could see those heavy rains as well as lightning associated within it. Lightning, a big weather story. The fire danger rating still remaining at moderate for most areas indicated in yellow. And the heat will make a return. We are seeing a bit of a reprieve tomorrow, even a chance of showers across the south coast. And then it's Saturday, especially Sunday, Monday for the long weekend. Temperatures will start to bump up once again. The ridge builds in very strong in midweek next week for many areas into the interior. Temperatures Temperatures will get back into the low 30s. It's approaching the latter half of the long weekend and in towards mid next week. The northern half of the province with some shower activity. Temperatures up to 17 degrees tomorrow. It'll be windy at times by the water. A risk of a thunderstorm for the peace across the central interior. Much of the southern interior tomorrow also seeing that instability. Risk of a thunderstorm and a chance of showers. Rain for areas near Whistler. A much wetter day for tomorrow for most areas across the south coast. A chance of showers will be for the morning and early afternoon. It'll rebound very nicely though Sunday, Monday. We could see those temperatures away from the water back up to 27 and 28 degrees. Tonight's weather window. Uh, this is a beautiful shot sent in by Deacon's Yap from Vancouver and this is an English Bay from the fireworks featuring Sweden last night. So lovely. Thanks. Very nice. Thank you Yvonne. Well the Sheriff's Department in Colorado is warning people about leaving their cars unlocked in public parks. And they posted a video to show why it's so important. Ready? A deputy sitting in the safety of his truck uses a rope to open the door of a car. His caution understandable when you see what comes out. The deputy who shot that video also wisely remained in Whoa. his vehicle. And then afterward, they document what can happen to the inside of a car when a bear gets in.
but can't get out. That used to be fine Corinthian leather. <laughs> this was the second <laughs> incident with a bear in the park in the past week. Yikes, that was fast. Wait till they learn how to drive. Then they'll know, okay, there's a little bit of food here, but if I learn how to drive this thing, I can go through the drive. Exactly. And eat more. I can get myself a burger, some then fries. Then pretty soon they'll know how to drive stick, and then we'll all be in trouble. Yeah. And then they'll go to actual restaurants. Yes. They'll be ordering wine. They'll have no table manners whatsoever. All sorts of Global BC presents the 28th annual Honda Celebration of Life. Visit the family-friendly park stage at Second Beach before taking your seat at one of our spectacular viewing locations. The skies come alive at the Honda Celebration of Life presented by Global BC. The widow of an RCMP officer who died in a snowmobiling accident in Nunavut last April has put together a massive care package for a small community near the Arctic Circle. Kuglukuk, known for once having the highest suicide rate in Canada, had made Constable Graham Holmes one of their own. On top of his service there, he dedicated himself to ensuring that lacrosse remained a central part of the young people's lives, giving them a stick and a glove and, most importantly, a focus. He really just tried to make sure that they were having fun and were just being kids. And so this is a, a fitting tribute to a guy that passed away far too soon. When the sport was introduced to the community three years ago, the suicide rate dropped to zero among youth, while school attendance doubled. That's oh, a great care package. Heading up there? Mm -hmm. All right, Squire Barnes, drama. Well, I mean, is it manufactured drama or is it real? We don't know, really. Uh, of course, last week we all found out that we are all Canucks except Trevor Linden. And there's been lots of palace intrigue ever since about Trevor Linden's departure as the Canucks president. And the stories are sounding like something out of Game of Thrones, minus all the bloodshed. The most talked about rumor of late is GM Jim Benning stabbed Trevor in the back. Now, Benning denied that today, saying he would never do that. And be quite frank, everyone I've talked to who has some knowledge of the inner workings of Rogers Arena and the Canucks say, yes, things between Linden and the Aquilinis were not very good. The Aquilinis perhaps weren't liking missing out on playoff revenue and may have wanted things to speed up as far as the rebuild is concerned. And maybe Benning knew about this rift, but he didn't pick a side, preferring just to keep his head down and stay out of it, perhaps for self-preservation reasons, which is understandable. Nothing I've heard paints Benning as some sort of Machiavellian figure looking to remove Linden at the earliest opportunity. But part of the rumors are that Trevor is upset at Jim Benning. But in reality, we really don't know that. We don't know what really happened because Trevor Linden and Francesco Aquilini haven't done any interviews and neither seems to want to do any right now. But Jim Benning insists he had nothing to do with Linden's departure. He had a lot to do with this kid, though, Quinn Hughes, drafting him in June. And watch Hughes today at the Summer Showcase against Sweden. First of all, he sets up his brother Jack for a nice goal. But this isn't the best part of Quinn Hughes' afternoon. That's a nice play by Quinn. Nice goal by Jack. This game would go to overtime. Now, just before the end of overtime, watch Quinn Hughes go to work here. Watch the skating. But beyond that, the no panic and finds a guy to pass to for the winning goal. Josh Norris scored the winner, but right there, he's got the wheels, but he also has the vision. What separates good players from great players, I'm not saying he's great yet, but what separates good players from great players, panic level. 
the great ones don't have a lot of panic level. They see things at the last second, and Quinn Hughes did right there. All right. Until further notice, Vancouver's national lacrosse team is still the stealth. They won't be for long, though. There are new owners, the Aquilinis, and there will be a name change, and they'll change the colors to Canuck colors very soon. But the biggest change, of course, is going from Langley to Vancouver. They'll have to get more fans in their new home, Rogers Arena, to watch top-level lacrosse. Blow the whistle, let's play some across. The NLL did not work in the suburbs in Langley. The Stealth were there five seasons and just did not catch on. They went 25 and 65, scraping into the playoffs just once. New 30-second clock for the home team. Craig Kahn with it. Down to Miloski, faking, shooting, and scoring. Welcome to Vancouver, Kurt Miloski. The Vancouver Ravens did play downtown at then-GM Place for three seasons in the early 2000s, but couldn't make it work either. Now with the big bucks of Canuck Sports and Entertainment behind it, the NLL gets a third chance at success in Vancouver. I think bringing the team to Rogers Arena with CSE managing it and its full might and power behind it is going to be taking the team the attendance, the fan experience to a whole different level. It is puzzling why a minor lacrosse hotbed like Vancouver can't find success at the pro level. Other Canadian cities like Toronto and Calgary have averaged over 11,000 fans per game in their NLL history. We'll see if that changes for Vancouver, who at this moment are still without a nickname and team colors. But that should all come soon. In the coming weeks, months, you'll see a lot of announcements of name, team colors, uniform unveil, um, more announcements leading up to their first game in early December. Talked about this yesterday, how Tiger Woods loves playing at Firestone. Eight wins at the Bridgestone Invitational today. Played pretty well, only one bogey on the last hole. This is just enough rolls for a birdie. Minus four, he's four off the lead there. But a few guys at minus four, he's tied for 14th. There's your leader, Ian Poulter, with the approach shot. And a rather nice one at that. He's at 800 par, one-shot lead over the likes of Ricky Fowler. Okay. Yes, E.L. Puig. We've seen him do this before. Treat his bat like a popsicle. Ew. 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 You don't know where that's been. But apparently it works. That was more than a pack. That was more. That was, yeah. yeah that's, that's, that's a little too familiar. But he did get a double out of that. So... So he went to second base? He, went to, he got to second base with his bat. That's what I'm saying. I'm so. I okay. know what you're saying. <laughs> okay, our director just. I would not. Ear. I would not like you know, <laughs> recommend that to any young baseball players out there. I don't think that really does anything. All right, let's check in with Andrea. On that note, uh, <laughs> look ahead to Global News at 11. Anne. Thanks, Sophie. A couple of highway closures to tell you about tonight affecting traffic in the interior. Drive BC is reporting Highway 8 is closed just one kilometer west of Merritt due to a wildfire. And the northbound lanes at the Coquihalla are also shut down between Merritt and Kamloops because of a fatal vehicle crash. Our crews are on scene in both locations. We'll have the very latest when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie. All right, thanks for that, Anne. Our best five series for the summer in Metro Vancouver continues after a break with the best places for ice cream. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do this weekend. Yeah, it's all about local pride and celebrating the summer on this BC Day long weekend. The Tawasan Sun Festival, for instance, jam-packed with special events, games and attractions. But the main event is the Rotary Parade that features hundreds of local favorites. 
The Kamloopa Pow Wow is one of the largest celebrations of First Nations culture in Western Canada, and it's on this weekend. Expect a spectacular expression of heritage through song, dance, and storytelling. They call it the best little country fair since 1911. The Abbotsford Agri-Fair has everything you'd expect and then some, including a demolition derby, motocross riders, and a country horse classic show. How about the only mammals that can fly? Dee's Island Regional Park invites you and the kids to discover bats as they emerge at sundown to feast on insects. That's tomorrow night and registration is required. It goes way beyond kimchi. A huge array of Korean food will be had at the Korean Cultural Festival at Swan Guard Stadium in Burnaby. A full day event free for all to enjoy the best of traditional and modern Korean culture. For more, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. Five Things to Do is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners. Plus, get the best roadside assistance. Squire has a spoon in his hand and you'll understand why. In a second. No, oh, I trying see. To, yeah. okay. Another installment of our Best Five series where we ask our online viewers to list their favorite Metro Vancouver summer spots. And tonight, Sonia Deal gives us their recommendation for the best of that most classic summer treat, ice cream. The best five places to get ice cream in the Lower Mainland as voted by you. At number five, Glenburn Soda Fountain and Confectionery in Burnaby. In at four, Vancouver's Rain or Shine Ice Cream. At number three, Ernest Ice Cream with two locations in North Van and Vancouver. Port Moody's Rocky Point Ice Cream makes it to number two. And the best place for ice cream in the Lower Mainland as voted by you is La Casa Gelato. The Casa Gelato is a family-run business on Venable Street that you can't miss because it's so pink. But why pink? You would have to ask my dad that. When he did the building, he, he painted it, and he was like, we're just doing pink. We're like, pink. And he's like, yeah, we're doing a bubblegum pink, and it's been bubblegum pink ever since. There's so many different flavors. 238 flavors to be exact. Easy to see why this place is such a big hit. It's hard to pick sometimes. Like, what are you going to order? There's so I don't much. No! It's so Everything is made freshly on site, but no one is allowed behind the scenes. Stop secret. Your dad is adamant. No one can see no the one, ice cream no, making. No one can see the ice cream making. It's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly, but it's Vince in the, in, the, in, the, in the gelato factory, yes. As well as the usual favorites, some slightly odd combinations. We have nori seaweed, which is like a roasted seaweed, apple and cheddar. We have a peanut butter curry. Peanut butter curry. I want to try the garlic. Do you have anywhere to go afterwards? <laughs> Well, I won't go anywhere afterwards. <laughs> That's wrong. Yes. Oh, maple bacon flavor. I know somebody who's going to love this. Sophie Louie, this is for you. <laughs> you can discuss the results online using hashtag best five. Sonia Diol, Global News. Is it any good? That's it bacon. is. It has a lot of bacon. And that one? That one I don't want to try. No, I'm Pear, just gorgonzola, and blue cheese. And this is death by mango. This that's is, this, really good. That's the best one. Good, yes, I think that's my favorite one. That's your favorite that's flavor, right? Hold on. I'll try this pear, gorgonzola. Oh, you're gonna try. Did you try the maple bacon one? <laughs> oh, I don't like cheese. Yeah, have some of this. <laughs> oh, my God. Wash it down. <laughs> I don't like that one at all. Wash it down. That one's... <laughs> The Death by Mango. It's a great place, but that one's a little whacked. Well, they have garlic ice cream. Oh, that's even more. That's really bad. (laughs) 